remember I told you that when it comes to giving one's life to God, all it takes is belief and confession. Somebody may string me up today and say, no, it's, there's more to it. There isn't any more to that to be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. We need to stop adding all this, I got to do, I've got to do. And once God has done that, of course, there are things that we do, but those things are not done to get us saved. Those things are done because we have been saved. No, we've taught it backwards. I know some of you are still struggling to say amen. But we taught it backwards because we need to make sure that at the end of the day, Jesus is the Savior, not us. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. Salvation is not a partnership in the saving dynamic. It only becomes a partnership in the relationship once one is saved. And what God is trying to establish in, in our minds and our hearts is that we were unable, incapable of saving ourselves. So don't add some works on it now that he's finished the work. You know, that, you know what I mean, right? People that, like in sports, you sit there, armchair quarterbacks, and you say, I, I, I could play like LeBron because he shot it so well. That's not the same for Jesus. He doesn't need us to add anything on. So watch. In the book of Acts chapter 2, a group of people are listening to the apostle Peter teach. You have to ask yourself, who are these people? They are not us. They are not unbelievers. They are Jewish people who've come to celebrate Pentecost. They do not see themselves as unsaved. They're, they believe that they're the seed of Abraham. They're in covenant with God, even though they're not keeping that covenant. They're Abraham's seed. They're a Davidic seed. They've got the circumcision, all of those things. And when they hear that they had missed their Messiah, Peter reminds them, this same Jesus that you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. They don't ask, what shall we do to be saved? What shall we do in response to the fact that we've missed Messiah? Do you see what I'm trying? They're not unbelievers. And that's why Peter tells them, change your mind. That's what repentance is all about. Come on down to the water now. Take on his lordship, etc., etc. But here's where we're challenged because we pull another scripture in. It's in Acts 16. Can you give me that one? This is the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul is traveling and he goes to Philippi. That's where we get the book of Philippians from. Now he's in what we call Gentile territory. This is that great scripture where he and Silas are imprisoned at midnight. It's a different audience now. The Philippian jailer is an unbeliever. Do you understand? He is an unbeliever. He has no covenant with God. He, he's not the seed of Abraham. He's not Davidic. He's an unbeliever. And what happens, you know the scripture, they're in prison. They, they sing, they pray at midnight. The jail opens and angels come. The jailer sees that the doors are open. He wants to kill himself. And Peter says, or Paul says, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And what he does now is he does what all unbelievers do. They all assume that to be saved, you got to do something. 
See the trick? That's what all unbelievers do. How can I save myself? And he says to Peter, when they brought him, he says, Sirs, or Paul rather, what must I do to be saved? Right? So there's going to be a response, right? There's going to be a drum roll. And Paul is going to tell him what he must do to be saved. And brothers and sisters, so said, give me verse 31. And they said to the jailer, here's what you got to do. Believe. (laughs) Are you with me today? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be. I'm finished now. Are you following what I'm saying? It starts with believing in Jesus, putting him in his right place, letting him do the rest. And stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Tell, stop telling people, you need to be baptized to be saved. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost to be saved. No, brothers and sisters, once you are saved, let me take you down to the waters now and put some marks on you. And once you are saved, let me show you how to receive the gift of the Spirit of God. And all of that revolves around Jesus Christ. And everything starts and ends, continues with him and him alone. Mm. And so today I want to show you this because I believe that it's, the, it's where God takes us after he has saved us. There's some promises that God has made that have been hovering over our heads and because of our unbelief and because of the fact that we weren't saved, those promises just lingered. They didn't go anywhere, they just lingered. This is part of the mercies of God. Those promises waited for you and I to come to the knowledge of salvation. And now I want to show you how how deep and how profound these promises are that God has made for us. We confess Jesus Christ and we thank him for that. I want to go a little further into this message. I want to do something today called exploring a concept called fullness. Again, I will remind you, and you'll hear me correct a lot of things. When I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was given a litany of things that I had to do. And I spent the bulk of my salvation making sure that I did them. I was to dress a certain way. I could not do this. I could not do that. I could not go here. I could go there. I could. And I understood all of those things. And I'm not going to discount any of those things. But what those things did was they sidetracked me from really focusing on why God saved me. He didn't save me to dress me up or down. I'm telling you this, there's some stuff that's deeper. And so rather than focusing on the the grander things of the kingdom, I was focusing on minutias. And today you still have people, is that an earring in your ear? Okay. Are you wearing makeup? Okay. Are, Are you wearing trousers? And that's where salvation has been whittled down to. As if, watch, as if God would walk out of eternity clothe himself in flesh, walk the planet, string his son up on a cross so that you don't have to wear earrings. And I'm not arguing about what you want to believe about that. That's up to you. But I'm going to tell you that that's not the gist of why God saved us. I hope you hear what I'm saying. He didn't save you because ladies, no slacks and men. That's not what he saved us for. 
so that you don't go to movies and we made this thing so small that watch brothers and sisters if you want to be upset with me that's up to you I'm okay I live by myself watch this watch closely listen carefully and after you've done those things then you ask the question now what after you've done those things for years now what Are you going to be honest with me? What has it produced in your life? What has it brought us to? What relevance has it made the church in the earth? I feel like preaching already. How has it drawn attention to Jesus Christ? How are men running to follow the God of our salvation? They're not. Because the whole idea was he saved us so that we can express him. And as long as you're dressing yourself and focusing on that, am I against presentation? Look at me. No, I'm not. But if that's the focus, then guess what? The focus is still you, me. Watch, not him. This is why it becomes difficult for us to allow people to experience the journey if they don't look like us. Because it's been whittled down to appearance that you put on flesh that's going back to the dust and there's no dressing of that which shall be with him eternally so i, I want to show you that the truth of the matter is there is some stuff that will stretch your thinking when you hear it that's been made available to us and i hear very little people telling us about these things and that's why god would go to such great length to save us if, if I could just for a moment I go into it if I could think about this God has to think that I'm going to become flesh and I'm going to walk the planet I created and I'm going to be subject to those who have created and they're going to spit on me and they're going to revile me and they're going to try to kill me and then ultimately crucify me in the person of Jesus and what am I going to do that for even coming to service is not the goal of why God saved us. You, you realize that, right? That's one of the benefits. That's not the goal. So then, what, what is it? I'm going to show you something. Uh, when I use the term fullness, here's the definition I want you to put. Whenever the Bible talks about fullness, it's talking about the totality of something. Everything that that thing is, that being is, the totality of it. So keep that as your definition. When we look at these terms for fullness, it's the totality of something. Not a piece of it, not a portion or a fraction, the totality of something. Now when you put that in your mind and we look at these scriptures, you will see what is out there for us to go after. Then you will say that we have been meandering around the tables of scraps and not swimming in the depths of what God has for us. Hmm? So let me show you. You tell me what you think. And maybe that's why. The Bible teaches. Here's how it begins. It teaches this. That when you saw, if you were alive at that time, when you saw the person of Jesus Christ, you were actually seeing the totality of God in a person. That's, that's, that's beyond what you and I could even spend all day talking about. When you saw Jesus, you're seeing the totality of God in a person. That's, that's beyond what the mind can fathom. 
So, so watch, the Bible says, watch, in him, this is what Paul is trying to teach in the book of Colossians, he says, it pleased the Father that in him, that him there is Jesus, should all the fullness dwell. That meant however God did it, that's why the incarnation, which is God becoming flesh, is a mystery. However God did it, he was able, watch this statement, he was able to deposit in Jesus the totality of himself without ceasing to be God. No, no, I mean, you can say amen, but to understand that, that's beyond human. So that meant, that meant, watch, as Jesus was walking the earth, all of God was walking the earth, but all of God was still everywhere at the same time. Did you understand what I'm trying to say? So when you saw him, you saw God in a person. It pleased God. The Greek word is pleroma. It pleased God that the fullness of who he was would dwell in that person. God in flesh. There's a scripture in 1 Timothy, I think it's chapter number 3, where Paul says, great is the mystery of godliness. Because it is a mystery. We can only explain it thus far. God is a spirit, puts himself in this person, gives a fleshy body to it, but yet heaven is not vacant of his presence. Watch, hell is not vacant of his presence. He still feels all in all while walking the earth. That is incredible to think about. So when, when Jesus walked into town, oh, I got it. I'm going to show you something. Devils are smarter than believers. When Jesus walked into town, devils began to cry out. Believers dishonored him. Do you see what I'm trying to show you? The demon said, we know who you are. Have you come to torment us before the time? The believer said, ain't this Joseph's boy? Don't we know his sisters? And he leads him to have to say, a prophet is without, except in his own country. In him dwells all the fullness. That's something to just, you can write books and books and books about that. That's just the starting point. All of God is in this person. Oh, I thank God for that. Watch number two now. Watch. In that same person, all of God's fullness has been given to you and I. I'm okay because I want you to think about that. In, remember I told you that when you give your life to God, he takes you and he baptizes you into the body of Jesus. And in that person, all of God is made available to you and I. So I would argue, watch, I would argue that being saved transcends being a Christian. It is actually God, listen, reproducing himself in every believer to the degree that when people see you, they see God. <laughs> That's called son of God. Did you see what I'm saying? That's why I, get, I told you at the beginning. When you get saved, God takes you and puts you in the body of the one who saves you. 
That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He baptizes you by the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ where all fullness resides. Ah, can I preach this thing? So that you don't spend your time worrying about earrings and pants and food and days. You spend your time going after the fullness of who God is. That's the occupation of the Christian. How can I be more like Jesus, which is to be more like God? Now, in case you don't believe me, it's in the Gospel of John, the genesis of all the Gospels. Watch. And of his fullness have we all received. And to make it possible, grace is multiplied. That means as you're striving to be like God, when you make a mistake, there's grace that says, get back up again. Uh, watch. I'm not going to leave you down there. I came to make you like me. So whatever I've got to do, I've got to multiply grace so that when you mess up, get up. I need you to be like me. God is invested in me being like him. Can I tell you why? Because God doesn't want the devil to have any children. Because, can I go one step further? Because angels don't have seed. So if angels don't have seed, they shouldn't be reproducing. The devil is a fallen angel. He shouldn't be reproducing. Only one being has seed in himself. That's God. That's why it's God's desire that none should perish. Are you following what I'm saying? He gives us grace upon grace to make sure that the fullness that's been freely given to us, we can go after it. So you and I, we swim in deep waters. We don't wait at the shorelines of our Christianity, talking about little meandering things about, hey, you said, and you no, we swim in the deep places where I look like God, I sound like God, I talk like God. I and my Father, we are one. And the way God speaks, that's how I speak. The power that God moves in, that's the power that I move in. Am I talking to a church up in here? The way God thinks, that's how I think the way God is creative that's how I am creative that's how it works brothers and sisters and the devil has fooled us and made us meander around nonsense that even when you get the nonsense right it still doesn't produce fullness ladies ladies wear as many skirts as you want to wear it will not produce fullness I'm talking to somebody take all the makeup off it's not gonna produce fullness but if you decide that you're going to launch out into the deep in the Holy Ghost now we're going to have a conversation because that's really why God went through all of this to get us here my God, think with me for a minute. Can you imagine? Let your mind run now. Can you imagine? There's about a few hundred people in here. Can you imagine if all of us operated like that in the world? 
Can you imagine if we thought like that? When things began to happen to us, we said, what would God, what would God do? When, when the devil tries to move us, we, we, we think like God. That is why when Paul writes, he writes in a way that challenges the believer. He said, you are more than, because he's thinking like this. You are more than. This little thing that you're going to, this too shall pass. No weapon formed against you shall ever prosper. Who shall lay any charge to God's elect? Because he sees you differently. The question is, how do you see yourself? That, that elder over there, she put in the chat last week, Natasha, she said, listen, that's why I'm so adamant about this now. Like me, don't like me, but the God that you see is the God that you get. So if I come up here and preach nonsense to you, that's the God that you're going to get. I want to preach a God that causes you to pull up the loins of your mind and say, Pastor, I'm going for that. I'm tired of meandering around the scraps. I want to go for that. That's what I want to go for. I want to go for the fullness of God. Jesus was not afraid to tell people, listen, watch, watch. If you see me, you, you didn't want to quote that. You said, let me, let me not say anything because I might indict myself. But he's actually showing you a model, an example of paradigm. As he was, so are we. If you see me, you've seen my father. I and my father, we are one. Say that to yourself. I and my God, we are one. I love my church. Even the difficult ones. Some of you looked and you said, I'm not saying nothing. And I'll be very candid. You know I'm going to be very candid with you. Because that's what religion has made us. The closer you get to God, the more you become like Him. God is not intimidated with you. Watch, here's what God does. Who being in the form of God, that's Jesus, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. When you get there, you realize you have no reputation. And when you become like God, it becomes easier to serve. Who being found in the fashion of a man, humbled himself. It's, it's false spirituality that produces this pride in the body. True spirituality, everybody starts going down. Because they know that God's already brought them up. So they've got nothing to prove. I'm already who I am in Him. I've got nothing to prove to you. When I serve, it takes nothing away from me. Wherefore God has highly salted Him. Think about this scripture. In Christ, once you are saved, you can obtain the fullness of God. That's deity, that's divinity, that's godness, that's the faith of God, that's the will of God, the word of God, the mind of God, the love of God, the peace of God, the joy, all of these things that emanate from God. You can, you can attain, obtain these things. That's, that's where I cultivate my faith. And, and it doesn't mean that there's not going to be some fighting along the way. Some of that fighting is internal, it's within me. Others, it's external. But it's obtainable. I want to read a scripture. Believe it or not, I'm almost done. I want to read a scripture for you because I even realize that at times I can be up here quoting something and it's really out of context, meaning it's the end of something, not the starting point. 
So if I come up here and I say, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, I'm actually quoting the end of something, not the beginning. If you quote it with me and say, ah, and then it doesn't happen, you're going to say, but that scripture said it's not happening. Because it's the end of something, not the beginning. It's actually the end of a prayer that the apostle prays for the Ephesians. It starts like this. He starts to pray for them. He loves them. That's his ministry. He says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that after a while you will be rooted and grounded, not in rhema, in love. What that really means is when people do you wrong, it can't move you. <laughs> when people hurt you, it still doesn't move you. People talk about because you're planted. There's stability there. And that stability is in self-giving. <laughs> so whatever they did to Jesus, he was going to that cross. Because he was rooted and grounded in love. So that's, that's how the journey begins, right? And it comes from Christ being established in your heart. But we go one step further. That afterwards you may be able to comprehend, understand, and grasp with all the saints how wide this thing really is. How long this thing really is. How deep this thing really is. How high this thing really is. Because you are going after God. <gasps> you're, going, you're going after a God that is past finding out. So, so, so can I show you something? When the devil comes, tell him, I'm busy. I'm occupied. I'm doing something. I can't pay attention. I'm going after something that is unfathomable. And to know how much I'm loved of Jesus. A kind of love that passes all knowledge. Can I preach? And so the reason why Oromikal is still standing preaching, it's not because he's gifted. After all he's been through, it's because he's loved by Jesus. The reason why you are still here, even after entertaining suicide, maybe even taking pills, maybe going in the wrong direction, it's because you are loved by Jesus. And that's something that you can't even fathom. You might know how loved you are. <laughs> and then, then you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that worketh in you because at that stage now when you ask a thing the God in you says I can get that done when you believe a thing the God in you because with God all things are possible but you'll not get you won't get there having all these churchy issues focusing on all these churchy things and then if I had verses 20 and 21 now unto him be glory in the church throughout all ages, world without end.
in my thinking, I think we have made this so small <laughs> that Christians are battling battles that have no spoils. <laughs> no spoils. So after I beat you up about how you look and how you sound and what day you worship on, what spoils is that? And this is where God would have us to go. This is where God would have. I think if you believed me, every single person would be so busy swimming in the deep of God that they wouldn't have time for the minutiae, which are in fact demonic distractions meant to slow you down and pull you out of focus. Because in Christ, all joy is available. Jesus said it like this. In case, this is for those who are struggling with things like weakness. He said, I've told you these things that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. When I think about this, I believe that the Christian, the believer, the saved one, does not wake up and say, oh, what a terrible day. They spring out of bed. And they say, whether loudly or softly, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Open to me the two-leaf gate that I may go in. This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. I shall not die but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. The stone that the builders rejected is now the head of the corner. Don't ask me if we are preeminently victorious. If we're thinking right we are. Even in loss, we're victorious. Folk walk away, you're still victorious. Folk run your name through the mud, you are still victorious. Folk hate the ground you walk on, you are still victorious because of who you are in Christ. Still got joy. After all I've been through, still got joy. I feel like preaching in my sanctified soul. Been through hell and back. But I still got a praise. I still got joy. I feel him in the room. I'm going to wind it down. But I feel him in the room. Mm. Thank you, Holy Ghost. My God. Mm. Thank you. Val is sitting over there. He sent me something on WhatsApp. He said, uh, look at what this pastor is doing. And I watched the video and then I said, I sent him back and I said, he's of like vision than me and we're like faith. I still believe because when you're chasing God, listen, brother, it doesn't matter what you lose along the way. Some of the stuff you had to lose, some stuff you lost because of bad decisions, but your God, the one that's on the inside, releasing fullness, he's able to restore to you the years. I like that. Not the seconds, not the minutes, not the days, not the weeks, not the months. The years that the locusts, the canker worm. That means if the devil ate it, 
God's going to tell him, spit it back out. It does not belong to you. Give it back to my son and daughter. Someone shout amen to that. It's coming back to your life. I promise you, if you search for him, it's coming back to your life. It's coming back. It's coming back to your life. I, I feel God talking to somebody. Whatever you lost on the journey, God said, I'm going to package it again. I'm going to put it back together again. And I'm going to bless you exceeding. Can I finish this and we'll go home? So this is where he wants us to go. I want everyone in this ministry to know that yes, I, we, us, all have made trippings along the way, errors along the way. But this is where he wanted us to go all the time. That's why when he saved us, he said, here's a bottle, drink milk. And as we got older, he said, eat meat, masticate it, chew it up. Because I'm taking you somewhere. He wanted us to realize that the fullness, I can't believe these scriptures, believe me, they're blowing my mind. That whatever God is in maturity and perfection, it's attainable for the body of Jesus Christ. That's why when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, be perfect as your Father in heaven, he was giving us an intimation of what was coming. That God is taking us somewhere. And my thought is this, that when we get there, when, I don't know how it's going to happen, but when we look at God and he looks at us, it's going to be a mirror. <laughs> That's what John alludes to. He says, what? Beloved, now are we the sons and daughters. It does not yet appear. I mean, I don't look like where I'm going, but don't be fooled. <laughs> don't be fooled. I don't look like where I'm going, but when he shall appear, we shall see him as he is for we shall be like him. They told me in English as I was failing, they said like and as are similes. That means things are similar and comparable. So listen to what the Bible says. I'll give you some things to write and go home. God is waiting for the church. Can I tell you, if I could put it in my words, to stop arguing over nonsense. Just that having councils and over nonsense he's waiting for us to come to the unity of what he believes about us that's the faith that you would say amen i would say amen we would all say amen globally that we're a body chasing you god oh my and this can only come from knowing the son of god what is rhema about jesus Jesus, unto a, what kind of man? A perfect man. The measure, the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. It means when you measure me, I measure up to him. I look like him. And you could read the rest when we get there, we're not tossed to and fro. That's why, listen, that's why bishops, uh, apostles rather, pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers exist in the body. That's why they're here. A prophet doesn't exist. 
Robert, can I get a towel, please? A prophet does not exist to spend all day telling you your birthday. Thank you, my son, and the prophet's reward for you. Listen, a prophet does not exist to tell you your old grandmother used to be, used to be, used to be. They are given, according to Ephesians 4, to take us there. To, mature, to stretch us, to push us, not to entertain us with foolishness. And you will see in the body of Christ how many people. I will look online sometimes at ministries where people go to services. They sit there for hours while the prophet goes through talking to everybody about their life. That's reality television. That's not Jesus. So what if he doesn't tell me anything about my life? What do I do? Where do I go after that service? He has to tell me more about Jesus. He has to say, go home and search for him with all your heart. You'll find him. Seek him in the word. Call for him in prayer. And you will find him and we will know him. Write these things down. I'll get out of your way. I know that I'm gone. The reason why it's important for you to explore fullness, don't waste your time. Even if I take more of your time that's on the program, I will not waste your time talking nonsense. I promise you that. In my life, those days are over. I'm trying to waste your time talking to you about nonsense. These are things I believe with all my heart, my core, my being. That's why a vision exists. So that we can chase after a God that says, I give you all of me. Come and get it. You see why I struggle when Christians can't worship? That doesn't make any sense to me. Christians can't pray. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because when you're chasing after God, those are just fundamental things along the way. The more I pray, he just he dispenses of himself. The more I worship, he dispenses of himself. The more I know his word, he dispenses of himself. Because he's the one I'm going after. I'm not going after my denomination and their tenets of faith. They may be great, but I'm going after Jesus who I believe and know that he transcends every tenet of faith in every denomination globally. <laughs> it took a, 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 an Anglican guy to stand up at the Oxford Union and tell the Bishop of London and all the bishops that are agreeing with this, watch, that the Bible doesn't teach same-sex marriage. You need me to tell those of us who are chasing God that basic truth? That, so, so we're going to then spend our time fighting that legislation. Did you ever notice that Jesus never fought those things? Have you ever noticed that? He didn't even fight the Romans who were persecuting Israel. That's why they were angry. He said, aren't you going to come in and wipe them out? He simply said, no, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. But give to God what's God. That means you can live in this environment and demonstrate God. Watch me, guys. Watch me, guys. Because the enemy is going to fool you, running after this, shouting at this, and driving to this, and marching against this. And when it's all said and done, we're nothing close to being like Jesus. We've just told the world, watch, what we're against. We haven't showed them who we're for. feel God and he that is with us is more than those if you'd only open their eyes God 
Write this down, brothers and sisters. Your future needs you, not your past. It's not what happened yesterday and then the past. And he always tells us this, you know. He always, Philippians again, forgetting those things. Reaching for those things. Your past is past. It's over. If you haven't confessed it, do so now. And let's live in tomorrow. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Watch. Someone in this room needs to know this. Life offers you a second chance. It always does that. That's called today. And if you hear his voice today, harden not your voice. Most of your judges live in your past. None of your judges know your future. I promise you that. All the guys with the white hair standing up with Judge they live in your past. All the cases against you that they bring forward, even Satan's cases, they're in the past. Today, God gives you an opportunity. In Jesus' name, let someone hear that. I want you to do this for me. I want you to delete everything in your mind that does not move you forward. Shift over on the keyboard of your psyche. Come on, go past alt. Go past the arrow that goes this way. Go past ampersand and press delete. Behold, I make all things new. Come worship team. I'm ministering right now. I'm doing altar call. Make everything new today. In the name of Jesus. Put away yesterday. Mm. Solomon was in a love relationship. And something happened, and he stood at the door. It's a beautiful text, and the girl knocked, or something like that, or someone was at the door, and he said, I've washed my hands, and I put off my old coat. I can't put it on again. This is what God wants you to know. Delete everything. If there's a thought that's bringing you back, it's because you have not pressed delete. I promise you that. Just delete it. Why? Because what is in front of you is greater than anything behind you. I'm promising you that. In Jesus' name. Ready? Now, when we do those things, we say, God. Do you remember Luke 5, verse 5? You don't catch anything by the shoreline. You introduce people to doctrine by the shoreline. But when we're ready to go into the things of God, Look what he says to Peter. I love it. Son, launch out into the deep. And there let down your nets for something substantive. Something that causes your partner's boats to capsize. So people walking with you, they can't hold what God is doing in your life. When you step out, they need to call others to be a part of it. But it only takes place outside of your comfort zone. Do you see every time the worship leader, I'm going to explain this to you in about two weeks, the worship leader is leading, he or she is not singing songs. I, I tired to tell people, stop calling it song service and the songs. They're taking you on a journey somewhere. They're reenacting the tabernacle. That's why in most cases they start with praise and they let you run around in the outer court. And then they move you deeper into the holy of holies. And they want you to come with them. 
and they begin to create something called an atmosphere. What an atmosphere is, it's a felt environment that determines direction. And all of a sudden now, it starts to move you somewhere because God is taking you into what's called not just presence, manifest presence. That's what's happening in worship. But if you think it's just a song, I'm waiting for a pastor to preach, next is the offering, and you sit there like this, you're not going on the journey. Then she has to wrestle with you. Come on, come on. Because she can sense in the spirit, someone's lagging behind. And when we worship, God will leave no one behind. It only takes place outside of your comfort zone. When you're okay. And we're going to have to grow up. I don't care if 10,000 people are here. Throw your hands in the air. When the Spirit of God just incites you, inspires you, run if you have to, shout if you have to, cry, scream. They did that in the presence of Jesus. They screamed and devils came out. They cried after him. They clapped. They celebrated. They said, Hosanna. Bless. It doesn't matter who's here. I proclaim him in the midst of my brethren. Because it happens outside of my comfort zone. And the sad thing about what I'm going to teach you here is when you're worried about people after you leave here, none of us are going to your home. None of us are going back into your situation. None of us are coming with you to find out what you're walking through. Except for Jesus. So, 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 so then we might as well, seeing that we got him here right now and we've gathered, we might as well tell him Whatever it is that we need, he, you know the old phrase, he's passing by. Someone wants to reach out for him. And then here's my last thing, Tanya will come. There are three choices you can make today. When God saved my life a few, I would say about maybe 12 months ago, and I'm going to tell you, saved my life, not, not 1990, saved my life. Saved my life about 12 months ago. Are you ashamed about it, Pastor? No, I'm not. He saved my life. Because when darkness comes upon your life, it tries to engross you. He saved my life. I feel like I'm talking to someone. I was saved for 20 plus years. He saved my life. The devil was trying to kill me. God stepped in and said, no, not right now. He's not finished. He is not over with. Three choices you can decide to give up, give in, or go for it all. I made a choice today. I'm not going to give up. I'm not giving in. I'm going for everything that God, every single thing that God has reserved, I'm going for it. Is there anybody in this room that agrees with me? I'm going for everything. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Stamp your foot two times. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give God a radical praise. Let's go for it, Rima. Let's go for it. <laughs>